KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Kinsey Moreland in for Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, January 20th. Lots of San Diegans in the 75 plus club are stoked that they can now get their COVID 19 vaccines. We'll have that story soon, but first, it's headline time. The city and county of San Diego joined communities around the country last night in a nationwide memorial to remember lives lost to COVID-19. At 5.30 p.m., several historic buildings across San Diego were lit in amber light to honor the nearly 400,000 Americans who have died from the virus. Multiple buildings in Balboa Park had the amber glow last night, including the California Tower, San Diego Museum of Art, and the Spreckles Organ Pavilion. President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration committee led the nationwide memorial. And today, of course, is Inauguration Day for Biden. Tune into KPBS on the radio or online for live coverage starting at 5 a.m. in San Diego. San Diego County public health officials yesterday reported nearly 2,500 new COVID-19 cases and six deaths. The number of hospitalizations from COVID-19 is slowly declining. It has gone down from a high of 1,804 reported one week ago to 1,721 yesterday. Of those patients, 419 are in intensive care units, which leaves a total of just 38 staffed ICU beds available right now in the county. All right, so downed power lines, tree branches everywhere, and gusts yesterday of up to 77 miles per hour. There were high winds yesterday, and those are expected to continue throughout the county through today. The National Weather Service is forecasting that some areas like Alpine and Escondido could have up to 50-mile-per-hour gusts today while the coastal areas could see winds of up to 40 miles per hour. The winds are expected to die down by this afternoon. And while we might see some rain from this windy weather system, a larger wet storm is expected to hit San Diego later in the week. From KBBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. It feels like freedom. That is how an older pair of San Diegans described getting the first dose of their COVID-19 vaccine. KBBS health reporter Taryn Mento introduces us to the seniors who jumped at the chance to get vaccinated once the county expanded eligibility to those 75 and older. It was early this morning when Jeff He drove his parents to get their vaccination at the county's Petco Park supersite. He says his 90-year-old father, Ling Xing He, and 88-year-old mother, Hui Ching Ying, were it's elated a, to get their shot. It's been very, very difficult. So I, I, I felt when I was able to make a appointment and I told them yesterday, they, they're so excited. Speaking Mandarin, that was translated by Jeff. Ling Xing says the vaccine will sort of give them their life back. He was very, very happy and excited. And he also added the 
By the way, my, my both parents were scientists before. Um, so he said that uh, this vaccine is the most powerful weapon to fight a pandemic. And he said uh, with this vaccine, they will feel free again. They've skipped gatherings for the holidays and gone without seeing their families, friends, and even the neighbors in their apartment complex. Hui Ying says she misses just being able to leave her home. Since the pandemic started, uh, they're restrained. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're limited. And they're not going out as much. And with this vaccination, she uh, feels that uh, they can go out again, enjoy life again, uh, which is what they love to do. The relief came with the county's Monday announcement that people 75 years and older could sign up at one of their sites. And the options are slowly increasing as Scripps Health announced it's vaccinating people 65 and older. But Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ghazala Sharif says they only had 6,800 doses available for the 80,000 eligible patients they messaged. And within two hours, we had already filled the 6,800 spots. So we realized that that's a small drop in the bucket, but every drop counts. And the faster we get those drops going, the faster we can get there. Sharif says Scripps is waiting on another vaccine shipment today, but she says they won't know how many additional doses it contains that can be given to more patients. Some people are not happy because the husband got in, the wife didn't. But I ask you to have a little bit of patience, the fact that we can get going as fast as we can. And that even if a single family member got one, that's better than nobody getting one. Sharif says patients will be notified as more vaccine rolls in, but they aren't being told when the next shipment would be or how much. She asked patients not to call doctors because they don't have that information, but says if patients can get an appointment at a county site, they should take it. If you are eligible, go to kpbs.org slash vaccines to find links to make an appointment at a county site. And about those COVID-19 vaccines, about a fifth of San Diego firefighters say so far they are opting out of getting the vaccination. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says this comes even as the disease is spreading within the department. The 191 firefighters opting out in San Diego mean the department has a higher vaccination rate than its counterpart in Los Angeles. But still, the virus is finding fire employees. As of Sunday, 14 people were in isolation because of a COVID-19 outbreak at a dispatch center. Fire Chief Colin Stowell says that outbreak is just as concerning as ones at fire stations. We're very limited on our number of dispatchers. And for us to be able to still respond to all of the 911 calls, calls, it's essential that our dispatch center stays healthy and able to process those calls. Stowell himself took the vaccine and is due for his second dose on Thursday. He says the department has been actively promoting the science, showing the vaccines are safe and effective. We need our folks healthy so that they can still staff fire stations every day and respond to the calls uh, for the public in need. And so it's in our best interest to make sure that we can do whatever we can to keep them healthy. Police are among those next in line to get vaccinated. A department spokesman says they don't know yet how many officers will also decline the vaccine. And so they don't have plans for what to do if that happens. So last week, we told you about a Vons delivery driver who was about to be laid off and replaced with an independent contractor after the passage of Prop 22 last November. And now, KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler speaks with one of those independent contractors about the new arrangement. Andrew has been driving full-time for DoorDash in North County for the past two years. He earns as much as $200 for a full day of work. 
We're not using Andrew's real name because he's still working for DoorDash and fears retaliation for speaking out. As a gig economy driver, he's given options for delivering food for different businesses. He enjoys the freedom of the job. I do like the flexibility. Um, you know, you can go work whenever you want. Um, you know, if you need to take a day off, something comes up, you can do that without worrying at, you know, other jobs. Sometimes you call out, you, it's a big old hassle. Around a year ago, as Vons began ramping up their use of the DoorDash app, he noticed that the opportunities being offered by the only grocery chain on the app didn't really stack up with the other jobs he was being offered. They had him traveling to areas far outside his own service area for as little as $10.25, which is supposed to cover the time driving to the destination and the gas costs. On top of just the long distances, you also have to consider you go into the grocery store, um, you have to go get the order from them. Sometimes it's not fully ready. So sometimes you're waiting at the store for 15, 20 minutes. You finally get to your car, load it up, take another five to 10 minutes doing that. Um, you know, drive, unload all the groceries, uh, which can take another five, 10, 15 minutes. If he was sent outside of the service area, he would then have to spend time driving back there to be able to get another job. Andrew would reject these offers from Vons because it didn't make financial sense. Now, if I see something come up from Vons, I don't even really give it a second look and I just decline it. As Vons began preparing to switch to the sole use of third-party delivery drivers last fall, it began to ramp up its use of DoorDash. And because Andrew was declining those jobs, he saw his acceptance rate plummet in the DoorDash app. This impacts what kind of jobs he's offered. He says this incentivizes some DoorDash drivers to take jobs that pay low, just so they can keep their acceptance rate up. Every month, if all of your ratings are at a certain percentage, then it says, you know, you get priority in, you get the priority in deliveries. It says you get the bigger deliveries. In a statement, Vaughn said the move to third-party delivery companies like DoorDash will help it create a more efficient operation. Other companies besides Vons are now outsourcing work to third parties after the passage of Prop 22 in November, which granted legality to gig economy companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash. Andrew doesn't think the proposition is bad per se. He's now guaranteed a minimum wage for hours he's actively delivering items. He just wishes that companies like Vons were willing to pay higher wages. Coming up... A Southern California woman is out after spending 29 years behind bars. It's another big win for the California Innocence Project. That story after a quick break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
The California Innocence Project is celebrating another hard-won victory in its efforts to get wrongly convicted prisoners released. Joanne Parks, who was convicted of setting a fire that killed her three children in Los Angeles County, is now out on parole after spending 29 years in prison. The Innocence Project says errors in understanding the science of arson fires led to Parks' conviction. Justin Brooks, director of the California Innocence Project, which is based here in San Diego, and Raquel Cohen, the lead attorney in the Joanne Parks case, joined KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. They described the lengths they went to to gain attention for Parks' case, plus discussed what an odd year it's been for the Innocence Project, with erratic presidential pardons and COVID-related early releases of some prisoners whose cases had been worked on for years. Now, Raquel, let me start with you. As I say, you were the lead attorney working for Joanne Parks' release. How did it finally happen? Oh, man, it's been um, a crazy whirlwind. But when we first started working on Joanne's case, she was serving a sentence for life without the possibility of parole. So basically sentenced to die in prison. Um, and uh, in 2013, as you know, Justin Brooks, Michael Smanchik, and Alyssa Bierkel marched uh, 12 clemency petitions up to Governor Brown's office, and one of them was Joanne Parks's case. We hoped that Governor Brown would grant clemency and commute her sentence, giving her the chance of parole. But when he didn't, um, Governor Newsom stepped up. And in March of last year, so March of 2019, he commuted her to 27 years to life, which made her immediately eligible for for parole and took her off of uh, the life without the possibility uh, sentence. So From there, we geared up for her parole hearing, which is something she had been doing while she was in there anyway. She had been working on bettering herself. So she set herself up for success. And then in October, the end of October, we had our parole hearing and she showed the parole board she was not a danger and she got her date. And then we walked her out last Tuesday. Wow. Justin, this conviction was largely based on what investigators thought was an arson fire set by Joanne. But are their conclusions now considered junk science? Well, there is a science related to arson, and there are scientists and very good experts. But the problem is there's also a lot of bad experts. There's a lot of uh, glorified firemen who uh, love CSI. And Joanne's is one of those tragic cases where when the fire was analyzed, a conclusion was obtained that it was intentionally set. Fires we now know can jump inside a house. And what happens is a fire can start accidentally as it did in this case, as a result of an electrical problem. And then the fire can pass up to the ceiling and then move around the house and start in other locations So the examiner later on comes to the conclusion, oh, it must have been intentionally set because there were multiple points of ignition. But we now know you can have multiple points of ignition in an accidental fire. Raquel, the story of the fire and Park's conviction is told in the book Burned by Edward Humes, which came out a couple of years ago. And I believe before this commutation, you were in the process of raising money to build a recreation of the Park's apartment to prove that the fire was not arson. Are those the lengths the Innocent Project has to go in its efforts to get wrongly convicted people out of prison? When we first Uh, lost the hearing from the Superior Court, I would have loved to set all of the um, 
fire investigators who disbelieved in her innocence set their mind to rest by recreating the fire and showing that uh, what they believed were multiple points of origin were really just one single origin in a post-slashover fully involved fire. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to raise that money, but we did have uh, something close to that. We were able to raise enough money to do computer modeling. So Dr. Gregory Gorbett um, is able to simulate a fire on the computer. And so what he did was after we lost that hearing, he did this computer modeling, which definitely demonstrated that um, based on all of the evidence, including witness statements and the burn damage, that there was one single area of origin in the living room um, and that um, the two areas of origin is not supported by the evidence. You know, Justin, the the march that was just referenced that you made uh, to seek uh, clemency for several of your clients from Governor Jerry Brown was unsuccessful. And that governor seemed to be reluctant to issue pardons and grant parole. Is Governor Newsom turning out to be different in that area? Absolutely. After 30 years working in the criminal justice system, it's hard not to be a little cynical. So when uh, Gavin Newsom made a lot of promises when he was running for office, I wasn't sure what kind of governor he would be. But as soon as he got in office, he immediately suspended the death penalty. And we know in the United States, nearly 200 people have walked off death row after finding their innocent. And he immediately started examining these cases. COVID did create an opportunity for us. And as you mentioned in the opening, around the country, governors have started giving clemency because they had to get people out of the prisons. They had an emergency, but they weren't just walking people out who were guilty of serious crimes. Um, There were a lot of low level offenders who were released, but only in cases like this, which is a murder case of children, were we able to actually establish an innocence claim to get them out. Otherwise, Joanne Parks would still be in prison. It's not like they've emptied out the prisons and are letting everybody go. Uh, Violent offenders are still all locked up, but it created an opportunity to present those cases and, and get some attention to them. You know, as as I also mentioned, the president's pardons have been controversial overall. What do you think? Has that notoriety been good or bad for your work? Does it taint the idea of pardons? It's really been abused over the past couple hundred years, and governors also abuse it, and it being as a result of, you know, favors and lobbying, and, and the people most deserving don't typically get clemency. It's the people who are most politically connected that get it. And uh, President Trump will have his whole list of people who'll be released before he leaves office. And it's, it's just, it's disheartening sometimes because we have the most compelling cases and innocence organizations around the country have the most compelling cases that should be looked at by governors. And yet those are the ones that don't get attention because we're not politically connected and we don't have that kind of power. So I've been really heartened that that Governor Newsom has granted clemency and pardons to the powerless. Raquel, how's Joanne doing? She's excellent. It's actually um, really, really fun to watch her transition back into society. I mean, she was down 29 years and um, we've done so much since she's been out. I've taken her grocery shopping. I've taken her yarn shopping because she likes to crochet. Um, we've gone to the beach and, um, through all of it, she's just grateful. Um, she is adapting well. I mean, you know, sometimes you walk clients into a grocery store and they're nervous and they stand by your side. I think I lost her like three times cause she was looking like for specific items that she really wanted. Um, so 
she was very ready for this. Um, she's making good friends at her transitional living facility and um, just really proud of her. It's just really awesome to watch her um, take this second chance and really run with it. And that was Raquel Cohen and Justin Brooks of the California Innocence Project talking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. You can listen to Midday Live every weekday on KPBS Radio at noon or find the Midday Podcast in Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for live coverage of the inauguration today, listen to KPBS Radio at 89.5 or listen via our live stream online at kpbs.org. Thanks in advance for your support. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.